Yeah, Billboard Spain, Japan, and some other things that happened too because the uh, record is getting warmer. So, playing somewhere else. Oh yeah, we're playing Hollywood uh, New Year's Eve. You know, I guess in the grand scheme of things, not that many dates, but you used to not really play live at all. I know it. I know it. I just didn't want to because I didn't feel I was really qualified to do it and I didn't have it in my heart and I also was in the process of going a little outside my mind and didn't realize it and psychiatrists didn't understand it. So I just had to keep going until I just worked my way through it. But there's a lot of reasons that I wouldn't have there. I mean, I was asked to work a lot. When I got ready and wanted to, nobody was interested. <laughs> <laughs> they like, fuck it. How are those two things related, going out of your mind and playing live? Fucking with um, a minor amount <laughs> of LS in the uh, mid-60s. 60s? Yeah, in the mid-60s. Uh, once the motherfucker dissolves, you don't have any type of control. None. And that's kind of bad. That's why I, I bought a horse with a friend and uh, he kept telling me, come on, go out, man. I, I want you to at least see it. You know, it's half your... And I went out there and uh, took him about 10, 15 minutes to talk me into getting on the horse. And after I got on him, I didn't like him because horses have large eyes anyway. And his eyes look extra large to me. And this has nothing to do with drugs. It was just, the I knew that the horse was in control. I wasn't. You know, and yeah. if, I, if I'd have been raised up around horses and shit, might have been a little different, but that that wasn't it. I don't know why did I tell you that little story. <laughs> you you feel like at that point in your life that you were self medicating that you yeah had, that you needed drugs in order to function. Yeah, yeah, you, you can put it like that. That's the short form. Was playing life something that had interested you interested you earlier in the career? I mean, even before the Swamp Dog days. There was nothing but live shows and records that's all it was that's all it was you've gotten to uh songwriting though that was kind of your main your main gig for a while how did you end up on that side of things i started out on that side uh the shit i was writing was no good but i didn't realize that until i became a great writer i was always i thought i went the right place i tried that I know mm. about writing plays. And I'm talking now as a seven, eight, nine, ten, that type of mm-hmm. thing, you know, 
And uh, okay, my first recording was out when I was 12. I had finally, I knew, well, I knew what I wanted to do way before then. I wanted to sing, I liked singing. And uh, there was this white lady who used to come in our neighborhood and she would give all of the, she'd have us, I think her husband was a insurance agent and he park his car and start walking to people's houses. She would have us sing, Jesus loves me. I don't know why. Well, I guess it was, Miss Matt thought we were going to kill her or some shit if she didn't give us some money. But that wasn't it. She just, that's part of my, that's part of my second career that I'm talking about now, leading up to my 12-year-old thing. Do you remember the first good song you wrote? Yeah, I remember the first song I wrote that I thought was good. But I've had some hits that I didn't think was as good as other songs I had written. The record-buying public thought it. So I just shut up. And that's something that I talked to a lot of people about. Something I'm trying to get better in my life about is is um, taking compliments from people, even if I don't feel like it's the best thing I've ever done. Right. To actually just accept the compliment and move on. Because you, you, when you look at your own work, when you listen to your own work, you, you see all the flaws. Yeah. Yeah. And then you try to point them out to people. <laughs> they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that. You've already sold them your bill of goods, and they love it. They think you're something great, and then you come in and want to destroy it, you know. And I guess if some, but now, you know, when people come in and, especially people close to you who love to hurt you any motherfucking way, and they would, you say, hey, what do you think of this? So, hey, shit, you know. So, you really don't, you, you're really not ready for yes or no. You know, you, you hate, then you said, you know, you say to yourself, they don't know this song, this song ain't that good. And then when they tell you a song ain't shit, you stay jealous. <laughs> well, you want to surround yourself with people who will call you on your bullshit. Oh. Uh-huh. But then once you do, you get super defensive about it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you don't know what the fuck you talking about. <laughs> Did you like writing for other people? Yeah, I still like writing for other people. I got a thing coming out now on Atlantic by some guy. I can't think. What's his name? Last name is, his first name starts with a X. He actually, he didn't really... The song runs the entire cut, but all it is is a sample. That's great. I thank God for samples. I see old writers be talking that shit about, man, took took our shit and fucked it up and we ain't getting paid and 
you know, and all that bullshit. And I said, man, why don't you motherfuckers get together, get a lawyer or something, find out where the shit's coming from, and start challenging people for your money. I said, and all you got to do, you ain't got to wait to get a lawyer, because I didn't years and years ago. Just call the legal department. You ain't got nothing to do, no way, at the record company. You call the legal department and tell them so-and-so has stolen my song. Well, hell, the record company don't want to pay nobody, no way. So they'd be glad to tell the artist, like, well, you know, we got to put a freeze on your royalties while they said it's you. And... uh we got to put a freeze on it until we find out the real truth. And, uh, you know, I see y'all should stop complaining about it. You're making more money you ever made in your life. Yeah, okay, so you got fucked. You know, like the first motherfucker, like uh, Jules Bahari and motherfuckers like that. Yeah, they fucked you. It was kind of like going to school. You know, you you learned from the greatest teachers in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, those motherfuckers would fuck their mama, you know. But you could learn a lot from them. (laughs) And when nobody no one has any money to invest into a project. They always do. Crooked motherfuckers keep money all the time. And they'll beat you up, you know, beat you out your shit. But they will put up as little as they can to get as much as they can. You've been through the ringer more than most when it comes to record labels. You had a pretty rough spell there for a while. I mean, my understanding is that's kind of where the whole Swamp Dog persona came from. I don't know. The, 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 the writing and the Swamp Dog and Lil Jerry Williams really don't... Well, let's forget Lil Jerry Williams. The writing and the swamp dog was not designed to depend on each other. Cause if you notice on the like on the swamp dog album, I'll have two, three, four songs that don't belong to me. They just uh, they just great great songs, and I wanted to do them on swamp dog. My mind be going fast like a motherfucker. Are you the slower than a motherfucker? I don't know what it is. And, uh, I a lot of shit on my mind, too. Yeah. What's, what's, uh, what's going on? Oh, just everyday shit. You know, I, I hired an efficiency expert. <laughs> to straighten my shit up because I had after my wife Yvonne passed 
She had everything, you know, a bad motherfucker. I hired people who came in and said, he moved things around. First of all, he brought a whole stack of shit in my office about like that. And told me, he said, now, this was on a Friday. He said, here's your homework. So what the fuck you mean here's my homework? Hey, you. Right. Yes. And he says, well, you know, this is, you know, you got to straighten this out. I said, these are the type of things that we could have and should have done together. I said, but you didn't give me no goddamn homework, you know. And my office is still fucked up, you know. I'm getting it together a little, little time because I've got a very vast catalog, you know. Uh, shit, we got what? About 1,600 songs in the publishing firm. Uh, masters. I don't know how many masters I own, but I just made a deal for them. And, you know, it wasn't one of those step and fetch it deals, you know. Uh, I don't feel like like they stole anything. You always think, though, once you get the money, that I could have got, you know, more. Sure. But hey, you didn't ask for more. So that's, and, and I'm now trying to build, since I didn't, I done sold all the shit that was on different labels and shit uh, that I owned. I'm, now I'm getting, I'm building a new catalog. And I just, I'm, but I'm doing it faster because I don't have the time to go through a whole lot of changes with people. I mean, time is just not on my side, you know. I'm sure over the decades, sometimes have been thinner than others, but when you play Toronto the night of the last game of the NBA Finals and you can pack the place out with a thousand people, you know you got something people want. Right, but you got to get it to them. That's the thing. You got something people want. But how long do you have to sit on it, you know, before you can get it to them and get it to them in a way where, like, you don't lose your draws and nobody else does either. You know, I'm working with Justin... Uh, Vernon. Vernon. I always want to call him Justin Wilson. I don't know why. I'm sure if you did, I'm sure he would accept that as his new name. And, and we talk a lot. Ryan, what's Ryan? Olson. Olson. Yeah, y'all could have done this without me. <laughs> Would have been as fun. <laughs> we talk, matter of fact, we got a country album coming out. Huh. 
a little before Christmas. I want to talk about that because country is something you've been interested in. Right. And now, uh, okay, I've been trying to get motherfuckers to back me in some country. You had a country hit. You didn't sing it, but you wrote it. Yeah. She's all I got. But I couldn't finally, I got them involved, Justin and Ryan, also bitch of an album. And and I look up and I see there's a guy by the name of uh, Kane Cook. Uh, Cook Kane. He's black. He's on the fucking country chart. Fucking Nas is on the Will Nas, yeah. Yeah, he's on the damn country yeah. chart. My man from Hootie and the Blowfish. I mean, the motherfucker's turning into another rhythm and blues chart, you know? <laughs> it's like, we're going to have some shit called country and blues. Watch. Because they ain't going to let that shit keep going like that. You know, it's like, uh, by <laughs> the way they broke it up, well, they kept blacks out of it. And uh, we had one rep, and that was Charlie Brad. And after Charlie, there wasn't anymore. And, you know, okay, you got Cowboy Tom or some whatever his name is. What's his name? A black rodeo. Mm-hmm. He, he, he sang too. I mean, he, he can't sing like a Charlie Pratt or Daryl. Uh, what's Daryl's last name? He's sang with. Sang Lee for who did? Oh, Darius uh, Rucker. Yeah, da- da- yeah, yeah, Darius Rucker. That singing motherfucker. Mm-hmm. I love his singing. But now we got, and there might be more that I don't know about, but I know we got five black artists on the country chart. Now, people say that's been, you know, a lot of, it's not really country and all that kind of shit going on. And for some reason, I haven't... I know it exists, but I haven't read anything about it. I don't know, maybe because I haven't renewed my billboard subscription. I keep sitting, sitting there in the bathroom in my book stand. Uh, when I go back home, I'm mail it off. you got momentum right now. You've got this album out right now. People are excited about it, so this is the opportunity to finally get a chance right. to do what you've been wanting to do for decades now. Right. And some of the shit on there is shit I did hmm. decades ago. Called, I was trying to cut a white boy who was country and a motherfucker. He came to me... Somebody introduced him to me. Uh, Bo Terrell was his name. Mm. He had a little single one time. And he got one of the nicest guys, man. Butter wouldn't melt in his mouth. I mean, he was just wonderful. And like anything I wanted to do, he was down with it. Ryan and... Uh, Justin. Justin, they came out to the house and stayed about four or five days and I had to go to Spain so they went through all my shit I've never ever in my whole life let anyone rummage through my songs why was this different? 
I don't know. It's just like you meet a girl and you know you've been unsuccessful with them for like forty years, one, and then you meet this one and for forty yeah. days you want to go to the moon with this motherfucker, you know. Well, that's kind of like how they are. I mean, over the years, you've had a, a, quite a few collaborators, and it seems seems important to you for making music to find the, the right partner. Because I want some other opinion. But I'm good enough. This is ego talking now. I'm good enough that if I don't have somebody like that, I can still get the job done. Yeah. You know, to my satisfaction. So they went through the songs, three or four of the songs that's on... <laughs> The new album came from Bo Terrell's shit. Kirsten is good, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's a podcast. You can curse all you want. And put, yeah, you can say shit, you know, <laughs> when you can't think of nothing. Yeah, you can literally say shit. Man. Yeah. <laughs> You've been performing the Swamp Dog for a while now. Do you feel like the kind of definition or the character of Swamp Dog and the music has, has changed over the years? Or is it just sort of a kind of all-encompassing for everything that you do now. Yeah. It's that all-encompassing. I'm no longer looking for a swamp dog, and I'm not unsure anymore of who swamp dog is or what swamp dog stands for and why swamp dog was needed in the first place. So... Swamp now is just another artist, artist that I feel, not particularly my best artist, but he does things that my other artists can't slash, won't do. I enjoy, I've enjoyed watching him grow. You hear the things that people had to say. I remember when I first became Swamp Dog, too. Why would you name yourself some shit like that? <laughs> You know, why? I mean, damn, why you call yourself a doll? And that next thing I know, guys walking down the street, hey, dog, what's going on? <laughs> and they ain't talking to me, they talking <laughs> to each other, you know? And and then, then we get Snow, Snoop Dog, and we get all the motherfucking dogs. And... I'm, my wife told me to patent the goddamn name. I, I should have. Is it hard when, I mean, obviously Snoop's got his own thing happening, but yeah. is, it, is it hard when you see somebody like that who's, you know, taking a, a page out of your book, achieve the success that he's achieved? No, because that's where I drop God in there. It's like everybody's basically doing what God planned for him. Yeah. You know, so why should I get all been out of shape? Because... Trump is president. They weren't going to ask me to be president. <laughs> you know? So fuck it. Yeah. No, I just, and I managed a lot of those guys. I I showed those guys yeah. the ropes. Dre? Yeah. And, and others. Now look, here, look at Dre with a fucking billion dollar deal. Headphone mogul. He's got yeah. everything now. Uh-huh. I'm thrilled for him. It's good to know rich people, you know, <laughs> shit. I got his phone number. <laughs> when that happens, you know, the world-class wrecking crew and, and Dre, and when you're a big part of somebody's career starting off, do they help you when you need help? When you reach out, I mean, have they helped you with your career along the way? I haven't reached out. Okay. You, you got the number, you just haven't called it yet? You're right. I, I, the last time I saw Dre was about 
five, six Christmases ago, maybe more than that, maybe about eight Christmases ago, he was at the Northridge Shopping Center, and he was coming up off the escalator, and we stopped and we talked for every bit of two minutes, and uh, called me, okay, it called me too, you know. Yeah. And that was that. Even though you're not reaching out, I mean, do you feel like at this point in your life that you're getting recognition for all those things that you had done over the years? I mean, Justin's a good example of that, right? I'm a good example of somebody who's clearly a fan and is now yeah. working with you. Yeah, he's, yeah, I like that. And he has me opening for his group on certain things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this motherfucker does like, what? $300,000, a night, you know. He does well for himself, yeah. <laughs> Very fucking well. Yeah. And it doesn't affect him at all. You know, he, he's, <laughs> he's the kind of guy when you walk in the house, you might tell him, say, hey man, go buy me a pack of cigarettes. You know, like that and throw him whatever cigarettes cost. But that's how down to earth he is. And he owns half of the town. I recently interviewed Bruce Hornsby, and he worked with them, too. The two of you are similar in that you seem like somebody who, when you like or respect an artist, you want to work with them, and you want to help them get to that next level. Yeah. Obviously, time is precious, and and as you keep going, it gets more and more precious, and you Mm -hmm. start to realize that. The country album is a good example of something that you've been wanting to do for a long time. Um, Is there anything else that, you know, now that you're kind of looking at now that momentum's happening, people are coming out to Mm -hmm. shows, is there anything that you feel like Swamp Dog still needs to do? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to do one of those, (laughs) yeah, one of those $150,000 albums that don't sell. <laughs> you know, uh, the American songbook. Yeah, I like wanna, the Tony Bennett style. Uh, yeah, I wanna, that's what I want to do. <laughs> like Swamp Dog sings Gershwin. Yeah, that kind of <laughs> shit. And uh, I don't know if you heard the new album or not. Yeah, yeah, of course. But you saw, you heard my rendition of uh, Stardust. It is. Mm-hmm. That's Stardust. When I think of. When I think of a song like Stardust, Stairway to the Stars, or uh, So to Sleep Again, all that kind of shit, when I get ready to pull a performance and put together a track, I go to James Brown. And that's what my, that's basically what that song is. The way I did it is a James Brown version. Like James fucked up Prisoner Love and Again and a couple more. I say fucked up, but I love yeah. him, you know what I mean? And, uh. He just broke it and put it back together again. Yeah. Yeah. He, but he did it, he did it his way. Mm. He, to me, to me, James Brown is among the top three, four, I don't know what, but the innovators. Mm. And I'm going to even say singers and performers who really brought something to the table. Like the the pie has been made. It was kind of sweet, but James knew that it needed more sugar. 
And James put that next little bit of sugar on it. And that's when it became his shit. Because I hear people, people have criticized my work ever since 19, whatever it was, 70. But they still like my work and they want to know from me, why did you do this? Why did you do that? I'm listening to the new record. First track is a good example. It's kind of a soft ballad, but you're fucking it up. Yeah. There's stuff thrown in there. Like you're clearly messing with it. So you're still doing that. Yeah. Yeah, and enjoying it, and and see Justin and those guys, they, they, that's their that's their bag. They love that shit. So we all kind of fit together. You still enjoying it? Me? Yeah. Yeah, I'm still enjoying it. I'm gonna continue to enjoy it. I don't know. I just feel like I've always felt like I've I've that that God had singled me out. Just and is backing me and has backed me all through my life because I I supposed to been dead if you take a lot of things in consideration that's gone on in my life I should be broke which I have been but before it really sat in I wasn't anymore you know did you see that cartoon of uh Oh, what's the name that killed him? It was the cartoon got very big, but we know who he is. <laughs> but if I can just give you more information. <laughs> Not Saddam Hussein, but Open Laden. Yeah. Yeah. The rent man was at his cave uh-huh. just getting ready to toss his ass yeah. out, you know. Yeah. When, you know, he had some sort of miracle that took place via his religion and shit. Wait, so you feel like Bin Laden? Is that what No. <laughs> I just feel like he he had uh, he had something that was guiding him. Because he wasn't supposed to get away with none of that shit that he did. Maybe one thing. And that would be only because he hadn't done it before. Well, yeah, I, 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 I feel like every time there's a hell of a challenge, God brings me through. But I'm not getting ready to quote the Bible on you and shit because I ain't read some of it. And half of the people who said they read it don't know what they read. They just read some shit. You know, it's just a... I hope this don't offend you. I don't care, but I, I just feel like one of the luckiest people in the world is just like that. I mean, i give you one example. Okay, I've had several houses, but the house I live in now, which I've been in for, oh, I don't know, 20, 22 years, I was about to lose it. And, wait a minute, Jerry, get your thought right. I was about to lose it. In the midst of losing it, the value of the house shot through the goddamn roof. I was able to borrow the money off of that and take care of this. You see what I'm saying? Somebody's looking out for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, you know, I mean, kind of money I owed, it wasn't like a million and a half. The house is now just valued at a mill. But it, at one point, it was like a million and a half right then. 
and I owed about two hundred and some thousand. <laughs> I knew I called. What do you call them? They help musicians and shit out. The Grammy yeah. Association. I you you can twice a year they'll help a musician out. No matter what it is he wanna do. If if he want, feels like he has an album in him that he wants to cut that he think can really turn his career around. Or if his wife is sick, he's sick or children and uh, anything. They'll help you. The old girl asked me, she said, uh, well, how much you need, you know? Because, you know, I'm playing it down, you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, I'm getting ready to be evicted, blah, blah, blah. And uh, had a couple records and all that kind of shit. And we said, well, what the hell with the sister? Uh, well, this is... That's six bedrooms, five baths, swimming pool. Listen, you need to get out of there. <laughs> you need to move. I said, bitch, I didn't call you <laughs> to find out how to rearrange yeah. my life. Yeah. I've yeah. the bars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I can keep my lifestyle. <laughs> like this lifestyle, <laughs> goddammit. She... <laughs> they still ended up giving me some money, but they only, only gave me, I think they gave me like 5000 and something because, first of all, my water bill was like about $1,200 alone Jesus. only because there was a crack in my swimming pool and I, I didn't know it, but we started losing water and we started filling it back up and next thing you know, it's down that far. It was funny though. She said, "You gotta get out of there." She can't you can't you find some other place to live? I said, "Yeah, I can find some other place to live." I said, "But with the way my credit is right now, with me being in uh, foreclosure, I said, who the fuck wants me to act? Won't let me have their house?" I said, "I wouldn't let nobody have my house <laughs> if it was me," you know. Oh, boy. These things happen to me. Records get cut that I don't know about. I'll give you this real quick. When She's All I Got came out by Tracy Bird. I get a call from a friend that I haven't heard from in 10 years, Jerry Wilson. And he said, hey, man, congratulations. I said, on what? He said, on that hit record. I said, what? Fucking hit record. He said, she's all I got. I, Jerry, I know you're alcoholic. You're still <laughs> drinking your ass off now. What are the fuck you talking about? He said, Tracy Bird. You heard Tracy Bird? I said, I ain't never heard of him in my life. He said, man, you got the number one record in the country. I said, you kidding? I run out. I was supposed to be going to the store anyway to get some onions and celery for my wife's potato salad. I love like how specific that memory is. The other things you like just slip out, but you remember the vegetables you were picking up that day? Yeah. So I go down there and I buy a billboard. Now, I got all this front and shit, and it was a thing of, I, I was like, yeah, I saved change, you know. All of us do that yeah. shit. So I'm going through my change to get 
You know, and fucking billboard was like at that time about seven ninety five or some shit. And I went, I bought it. Had no money, no money in sight, not a dime. I look, some said, check the old contracts and see what you can find out. So I pulled out my file on She's All I Got. And it hit, it hit me right in the face. What's the name of the publishing firm there? Public Performance Company. Since I hadn't had a hit in a while, I'm just getting little checks, you know, and I mean little checks. I looked at the date and the son bitch had expired about a month before that. So I called him, and I, Dan, Dan was one of the guys that owned Dan and his brother, Dan, bought him an island somewhere out near Ireland. They are really part of, they went with BMG, BMG took them with them to Sony, Sony took them to, let me see, uh, Dan B, uh, is with BMG anyway. I started talking to Dan. I said, Dan, I said, you know you guys have not registered She's All I Got in our new contract. I don't see why not. I mean, we have it. I said, yeah, you got it all right. You got it for about another week. He said, uh, I told him, I'm trying to make this as plain as I can. I said, man, do you know I got the number one country record? And MCA has it. So you know you're going to get your money. And he said, wait, let me go check this. He called me back. He says, Swamp, what you need? I said, I need about 250000 There you go. That was the legendary Swamp Dog. His latest record, Love Loss and Auto-Tune, is out now on Joyful Noise Recordings. Thanks so much to him. Really enjoyed that conversation. I do, however, apologize for some of the audio issues there. The mic placement was not ideal, but Swamp Dog moves for no man. Thanks to him. Thanks to Hector at Chromatic for helping to set up that conversation. Thanks to you guys, as always, for listening to the program. If you like the show, there are a number of ways to support us. You can rate and review us on iTunes, Google Podcasts. We're on Spotify. Spotify and YouTube now. Like us on Facebook. If you have any feedback, it's rwellcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Tumblr. That's rwellcast.tumblr.com. That is the first and best place to get all of your RIYL related information. And that's about all we got for this week. So stick around because we're going to be back in just about a week with another episode of RIYL. Bye.